0: There's a lot that goes into uh, making sure that church goes off uh, every Sunday and we're here week after week. And so I just want to say thank you to, to Floyd and uh, John, especially, and the tech team. Um, as we look forward to the rest of the year and the summer, um, uh, we, this happens because of volunteers and no, nobody gets paid, we don't have a staff, uh, the school allows us to meet here. Um, and so if you'd be interested in serving, whether that's in Sunday school or uh, worship team uh, back in the tech booth, uh, please let us know, and we will direct you into the right place. Um, And to the worship team today, I just want to say thank you. Uh, And again, just a commentary here. Uh, The songs that we sang today, um, we could say amen, and we could go home, and there was more than enough deep theological rich truths there to sort of chew on for the rest of the week. Um, And so uh, I just want to encourage you that as you put things in your mind okay, and in your heart, uh, uh, don't worry so much about what it sounds like. Uh, if you were standing next to me, uh, I, I was making a joyful noise to the Lord. Uh, there was no harmony. Um, I couldn't tell you know, whether I was on pitch or off pitch. I'm sure I was off pitch, but the words, the truths were ministering to me. So whether it's on Sundays, uh, whether you go home and uh, you hit your favorite playlist on YouTube, however you get input, make sure it's rich in truth. It's impacting your heart. Don't just sort of mindlessly allow things into your head that speak to who God is and what Jesus did on the cross. You know, the last song we sang, In Christ Alone. Wow, rich, rich. That's the book of Hebrews right there. So uh, there's my pastoral word of encouragement uh, uh, to, to make sure that those things that are, that are gaining traction in your life and heart uh, are... Building you up and growing you and building a strong foundation. So um, uh, Makes sense. Okay, so I'm not secretly out there listening to what you listen to. So I'm not it's not a rap on the knuckles for anybody if um, You know, but just a a strong word of encouragement from from me to you Uh, If you have your Bibles whether it's an electronic copy uh, or it's a physical copy turn to the book of Hebrews Um, We'll be in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, We've been there all year um, we are turning the corner this week. It's not really the halfway point, but uh, there seems to be a, a, a line that the author of the book of Hebrews is is drawing in the sand through the Holy Spirit to us. That we've got this rich doctrinal truths that have been laid out. Uh, the glory of Christ, our hope and comfort has has been our theme, and uh, when we picked it up in September, and we'll be done uh, somewhere around the first of June. And as we kind of turn the corner, the author is going to take all of these rich, deep truths about who Christ is. Christ is better; He's the better Prophet. He's certainly, as we've seen the last several weeks, the better Priest. And when we say the better, we obviously know that He is our great High Priest. Um, and so I want to, just in the next five minutes, I'm going to get review, and then I'm going to give a little bit of a push into you. Remember Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, we want to encourage one another, stimulate one another to what? Those of you who have been here, to love and good works, right? And so the idea is to encourage and exhort, the idea is similar to that as of shepherd, is sometimes we guide one another, we encourage one another, other times we take that stick, and we sort of just, I poke at Tom a little bit, okay? So Tom knows that he sits in the front row, and so I can kind of prod him along. But that's, that's what we do when we come together, okay? And so you might remember, if you were with us last week, that we ended uh, in this way. We said, so, so what? Um, do you really have hope and comfort? Do you have hope and comfort... In who Christ is. And you might remember, it was that one of the ways that we apply that is, is that we say, well, because of what Jesus has done, the fact that he is our great high priest, we apply gospel humility. We don't want to be a church that has gospel FOMO. We don't want to miss out on the gospel. Gospel humility is best seen in self-forgetfulness. We need to apply gospel forgiveness, because that will lead to peace. And as I talk with people day in and day out over the years, uh, I think that one of the things that we struggle with the most, okay, and I'm, I'm including myself in here, is just exercising forgiveness. Listen, forgiveness is hard this side of heaven. It's impossible apart from understanding the work of Christ. Some of you have had things done to you that are unspeakable. Some of you have had things in your life take place that you've never told anyone else about. It's not prophetic, but in a room this size, I know that there, has been, there is deep, dark, wicked things that take place. Your only hope for forgiveness and peace is to take your eyes... And put them not horizontally, but vertically on the person of Christ. Because it's what Christ has done in your life that will allow you to understand what true gospel forgiveness is. And finally, to have gospel gratefulness that gratefulness that looks at any situation and says, you know, I'm genuinely thankful. And because I'm thankful, I am content. I'm content discontentment. (laughs) It is, if not the disease, one of the primary diseases that afflicts us as 21st century humans. We always want something else. Why? Well, because we have the fear of missing out on something, and we generally don't want that, but we don't want to miss out on the gospel, and if we know the gospel, it gives us this grateful spirit that's thankful despite the circumstances, and then we can say, I am genuinely content, not because I necessarily like what's happening in my life, but because of what Christ has done in me and through me. And you might remember last week that we talked about that, that illustration that Bunyan paints, right, with Christian and faithful as they go up that difficult hill and they get to the top And what do they see on the other side? There's the celestial city. And so we want to get those glimpses of the celestial city from time to time. And for me, that's the book of Hebrews. It has been one glimpse after another, and I love it. I will be so sad when we come to a close. But don't worry, because there will be another text of Scripture that will soon become my favorite. Last week, okay, this is a, this is a two-part message, uh, we looked at the shadow of the Old Covenant in verses 1-4. through four. The shadow of the Old Covenant, I thought about this week, and I don't know why I did, but listen to this. Um, anybody have a favorite cartoon? You're going to think this is crazy. I, Jeff, you don't count. I know you do, okay? Oh, no, 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 that's not a cartoon, brother. Listen, I, you go back to your childhood. My, my grandfather, he took me to my very first uh, movie. Okay, now if you have an opinion about movies and you don't like movies, that's okay. Okay, he took me to see Peter Pan. Okay, and so I have this soft spot for Peter Pan. And anybody remember the story? Can you you can remember the story, right? So they're in the Darling's house, right? Peter Pan, he comes, and he's 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 not the world's greatest character, right? Um, but he's trying to escape out the window and the window is all of a sudden shut and what happens to peter's shadow what happens to peter's shadow it gets cut off right and then all of a sudden the shadow takes on a life of its own and then it gets kind of crazy right because peter starts chasing the shadow all over the room trying trying to get it back because he knows hey that's a part of me Um, And as I was thinking about this, and it makes total sense, and if it doesn't make sense to you, don't worry. I'll be done with it in about 30 seconds, okay? (laughs) But listen, we've been talking about the old covenant, the sacrificial system as a shadow. When it gets cut off from the gospel, when it gets dissected from its main purpose, it can take on a life of its own. The author of the book of Hebrews is saying Judaism has taken on a life of its own. That's not what it was meant to be. The old covenant, the law, all of the Old Testament, all 39 books point towards one event in history and that is the cross. For us, we look back. We look back at the cross and It's no longer a shadow, okay? It's what? It's our reality because we see it for what it is. The old covenant and the sacrificial system was just a shadow. Secondly, we saw that there was a reality of the new covenant sacrifice. The sacrifice being the person of Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to look at the restoration that happens in the new covenant, okay? The restoration that takes place in the new covenant. John Bunyan, and this is just from last week, said, "...the man who does not know the nature of the law cannot know the nature of the sin, and he who does not know the nature of sin cannot know the nature of the Savior." bunyan took all of that really good theology and he put it in a in a children's book and you know that i I like to use illustrations out of pilgrims progress but the whole point is is that we should understand who we are i am completely sinful i do not sin because of my environment i do not sin because i choose to sin i sin because i am a sinner that's the depravity of man through and through, I can't help but do anything else. And even as I look at some of the kids that are here, and the babies and the infants, they are thoroughly sinful, as cute as they are, because they have inherited a sinful nature from Adam, and it's been passed on to them. And apart from the second Adam, the person of Christ intervening, we remain there in bondage to our sinfulness, that's all Bunyan was saying. So the big point is this. The reason that the Old Testament saints were forgiven is not because of the blood of bulls and goats. Okay, That's what we heard in the text. The reason they are forgiven is because Jesus died. Jesus, through his obedience and offering as a sacrifice, accomplished what we need. The Old Testament sacrificial system couldn't do what we need, but Jesus Did it. He changes everything. He is the only reality that we should be chasing. Don't chase someone else's shadow. Don't chase your own. Look to the person of Christ and fix your eyes on him. The worship team read out of 1 Peter, and so I just want to just sort of take a running start at our text today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why, according to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Eschatology, the, the study of end times, drives us not because we understand everything that's gonna happen as Jesus comes back, but because we believe he is coming back and we're gonna be in eternity with him. If you're not excited about heaven, if you're not excited about eternity, then I would simply say that you don't understand what heaven is. You will be unshackled, unchained from your sinfulness, And you'll have perfect relationships with everybody, including the person of Jesus. Peter goes on to say, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, what does it say? You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, I didn't get this when I heard this growing up, and I was blessed to be in a Christian home. I heard the gospel, but man, when I heard texts like this, I felt very discouraged. When I'm called to holiness, I was pretty bummed out. Do you know why? Because I wasn't very holy. I struggled. I struggle with my thoughts. I struggle with my attitude. I struggle with all kinds of things that I wouldn't even want to tell you about. Anybody struggle with your holiness this week? If you don't get anything else, get this. And if you didn't struggle with, if you don't think you struggle with your holiness this week, then there's something wrong with you. (laughs) You need to get in touch with your depravity. Ask your spouse, ask your brothers and sisters, ask your classmates, ask your teammates, ask someone who knows you, and they will tell you, yeah, you're, you're, you're a pretty big sinner. Get people around you who will tell you that, by the way. If you just are surrounded by people who just sit, tell you what a great person you are, man, those are not the people you need around you. Why? Why? Because your happiness, your joy, your comfort, your hope in the future is not dependent, get this, okay? It's not dependent on how you perform or how many good things you do. It's completely dependent on the active and passive righteousness of who? Jesus my kids used to say during our family devotions, if there was a question I asked them, they would say one or two of the answers. Jesus, the Bible, that pretty much, that that was the answer to every question, right? In this case, it's true. Listen, Peter is calling people to holiness. He understands that the people he's calling to holiness weren't capable of that, but because of christ's righteousness and his perfect holiness and their salvation that they had inherited they could say christ's righteousness is now mine before god wow revolutionary revolutionary it's revolutionary to us personally and can i just say it's a revolutionary message that's the gospel It's not some sort of moral conformity to a certain code or standard. That's just moralism. And there's a lot of people that do that really, really well, probably better than any of us. Our salvation, we're going to talk about this in just a second. We're going to get to it. Don't worry. Okay? Our salvation is completely dependent on Christ. So no matter how, how bad you messed up this week, You have hope, and you have comfort. And I know that for most of us, your mess-ups nobody else knows about. Some of you buried so deep in pornography, but nobody knows. We can talk about that in church. It's because you're sinful. I'm sinful. You're lying. You're cheating. You're angry. You're bitter. You wish you were anywhere but here. God knows your heart. Your hope. Your comfort is not in anything less than the person of Christ, which is why Peter says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious, what? Blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and what? What? And hope are in God. Jesus changes everything. Okay? He changes everything. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 11, all the way through verse 18. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. There were 24. Teams of priests who stood at the altar 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, offering sacrifices. That's what it means by repeatedly. A a Jew would know that. But, verse 12, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has, present perfect tense, perfected for all time those who are being, what? Sanctified. Everyone, not a few people, everyone. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, For after saying, now he's going to quote right out of the Old Testament, okay? So he's using the Old Testament as an application. Jeremiah 31, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, verse 17, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Today, we're going to talk about the restoration of the new covenant. What I mean by restoration is how it changes us. Jesus changed everything, therefore, we are changed. I'm going to give you four broad things you can take just from the message. You can go back, and there's tons here, okay? Number one, the new covenant restores us through forgiveness. Through forgiveness. The new covenant restores us through justification. Thirdly, the new covenant restores us through peace. The new covenant restores us through sanctification. Finally, the new covenant restores us through the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now listen. Remember what I said at the beginning is that the Old Testament looks forward okay, to Christ and the cross. So when Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 31, verses 33 and 34, that's quoted here, in verses 16 through 18, 600 years before Jesus was born, Jeremiah, through the Holy Spirit, is looking to the cross when there would be a new covenant, a new promise. And the guarantee of that covenant was the person of Christ. We're looking back now, and we're saying, and this is the author's reminding the audience, we're on the other side. There is a new covenant now. You're forgiven, you're justified, you have peace, you're sanctified and you have the blessing of the Holy Spirit. J.C. Ryle said this, take away the cross of Christ and the Bible is a dark book. Why did he say that? Well, he knew that if you just look at your sinfulness and what you deserve, it is bleak, it's dark. So, briefly, let's look at this. Okay, the new covenant restores us through forgiveness. Verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. If you go then to verse 18, what is, what is the conclusion? Where there is forgiveness of these, what's these? The sin. There is no longer any offering for sin. We have complete forgiveness. And so when the disciples ask Jesus, hey, how often do I need to forgive this bum of a friend who keeps sinning against me? And what does Jesus say? A lot, keep forgiving, why? Because your bum of a friend is not a bum? No, he doesn't make any excuses for that person. What does he say? Because you forgive them as you've been forgiven. Man, a light bulb came on in my life and my heart, okay? I've got a lot of stuff in my childhood. I promise you, most of you don't have anything on me when it comes to stuff and baggage. But when I could get my head and my heart around this idea of why I should forgive people, it changed my life. It changed the trajectory of where I was going in life, not only in terms of my attitude, but in in terms of physically change my trajectory and what I would give my life to. Because I'm thinking, if I can know this kind of forgiveness, I want other people to know that. That's true forgiveness. Well, the new covenant not only brings forgiveness, but it brings justification. Look at verse 12. When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of god now just peek at verse 17 okay verse 17 jeremiah says in verse 34 of chapter 31 i will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more okay so if you go back and you tear apart tear apart the old testament text this is god the father speaking so Jesus accomplishes this once and for all sacrifice that could only be accomplished in the Old covenant through the giving of blood and go- blood okay, sacrifices. But Jesus, he dies on the cross for us. God the Father promises in the new covenant, I'm not going to remember their sins anymore." That's the heart of justification. It's a judicial term. Most of you know that. And it just says that what you deserve, you're no longer going to get that punishment because the punishment has already been made by someone else. Again, man, I deserve the wrath of God. You deserve the wrath of God, not because you're worse than someone else, but because you are sinful to the core Jesus stepped in and made that payment. He redeemed us. That's what it functionally means to be justified. Theologians have been fighting over the distinction and the definition of justification for hundreds of years. Listen to this. In the midst of the discussion, as important as it is, don't miss out on the reality of the truth. Jesus paid for your sins and for mine. That's at the heart of the new covenant. We're not only forgiven and justified, but now we have peace. Look at verse 13. Jesus was waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Now, some authors have concluded that Jesus is looking into the future. That's not what he was doing. He was looking to the cross. And when he went to the cross, his enemies were made his footstool. He put the sole of his foot. And again, if you're from, if you're from the east, you know what's implied here. There, there, is, there is a... Picture here of someone taking the sole of their foot, which you never point at someone else here, and putting it right onto their back and saying, I am king. That's why I have peace. That's why you have peace, is because there is a king who has defeated his enemies at the cross. I want to read one text here. It's not going to come up on the, um, on the screen, but you can write it down. Okay, so Colossians chapter 2. Uh, Paul, interestingly here, is, is speaking to those that would have understood what it was to, to live under the authority of a, of a conquering nation. Um, Colossians chapter 2, in verse 13. And you... Who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh god made a lie together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by the canceling of the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands okay there's an element of justification there this he set aside nailing it to the cross he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Wow. So the author of Hebrews is saying this is what Jesus anticipated and he did it. This is the source of our peace. Peace and salvation, yes. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Peace in our everyday life. If you're anxious... And you're uncertain and it almost grips your soul to the point that you can't move and there's all kinds of things that that happen to someone where they are stressed out. Look for Christ because he is the only source of not only forgiveness and salvation and justification but peace. Fourthly, verse 14, the new covenant restores us through sanctification. Okay, so verse 14 says this, For by a single offering he is perfected for all time those who are being what? Who are being sanctified. Last week, verse 10 says, And by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now a lot of times we think about our salvation when our spirit is made alive. And then we're judicially made right before God in justification, and in this process where we become more and more sanctified. Sometimes we refer to that as progressive sanctification. Can I just say that because of Christ's sacrifice, this text says that your sanctification is not up for question? It's guaranteed. Man, take a deep breath. No matter how miserable your failure was this week, your sanctification has already been guaranteed. You're going to be more Christ-like because you have the righteousness of Jesus before God. And you're going to continue to battle. And it's it's fierce sometimes. But don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because Jesus is your perfect high priest and we have a new covenant. Finally, the new covenant not only provides forgiveness, justification, peace, sanctification, but the new covenant restores us through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. This is important because then the author is saying that the Holy Spirit is the source of Jeremiah 31. Okay, that's 16 through 18. But what does that mean for us? Well, Jesus in John 14, what did he promise his disciples? When I leave, and they didn't want him to leave, but when I leave, I will send you a helper. He says, I will put my spirit within you. Literally, in the the original language, it says, I will put my forever spirit with you. The new covenant restores us by way of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us forever. Let me just say something really quick. If someone tells you, if someone implies that you need something extra in your Christian life by way of the Holy Spirit, whether that be through a second blessing, an empowerment, an encounter. Take him to John 14 and say, I'm sorry, I am in Christ. I have the Holy Spirit. You don't need anything more. Does the Holy Spirit work as he wishes and in coordination with the work of the Trinity? Absolutely. He's the third person of the Trinity. He can work however he wants in powerful, unspeakable ways, but you need not feel like a second-class citizen And feel like you need something extra from the Holy Spirit because you have been indwelled, sealed, kept. We sang about all these things, by the way, in the songs that we sang. Okay, I hope you caught that. I believe in eternal security because of who the Holy Spirit is. When the Holy Spirit indwells a believer and I am united in Christ... By way of the Holy Spirit, and my sins have been taken away, forgiven, how is it possible that I could lose my salvation? And believe me, if you could lose your salvation, I would lose it. And so would you. Because you're just not that strong. You're not that good. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because Christ is the one that we look to. That's the new covenant forgiveness justification peace sanctification and the holy spirit listen to what paul says in second corinthians 5 18 and 19 all this okay the gospel is from god who through christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation i don't believe you can be a missionary okay i don't believe you could you can proclaim the gospel unless you understand the gospel that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of what reconciliation we are proclaiming what we know to be true so the application is easy does your hope and comfort reflect the reality of of what Christ has done for you. Do you find yourself chasing your own shadow or the shadow of your religion? Or do you find yourself laser focused on the person of Christ? Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Hebrews chapter 12, here's the application. This is where we're going, okay? We'll be there soon. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to who? Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne on God. There's the author. He's cheering us on. Listen first 10 chapters Jesus is better he's the best and because of that run run our last song is going to be his mercy is more and regardless of where you find yourself as the worship team comes you can hold on to that and I like how John Piper puts it life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross cherish it for the treasure that it is, and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in this world. Our hope and comfort found in the person of Christ and it starts as we look to what he's accomplished and the hope that we have in a resurrected Savior